It's Remembrance Sunday everywhere you can probably imagine. That's uh, Croxley Business Park, which they put that up just for now, which I thought was quite a nice touch, just uh, around the corner here. Because Nathan and Mulligan are on parades today, parading in Watford, honoring those who've fallen. And of course, uh, we've just had, uh, we've also just had Bonfire Night, haven't we? Uh, just recently, and uh, that's one of those remember things, isn't it? Do you know this poem? I only know the first two lines, and I realized there was more. I didn't know. Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. That's the only bit I ever knew, but there's more. I see no reason why gunpowder, treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes, Guy Fawkes, twas his intent to blow up the king and the parliament. Three score barrels of powder below, poor old England to overthrow. By God's providence, he was catched with a dark lantern and burning match. Holler boys, holler boys, let the bells ring. Holler boys, holler boys, God save the king. About that. I know for some of you from other parts of the world, this means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but uh, just indulge a, an Englishman for a minute. as we. Uh, it's a rather strange thing that I want to set off all those fireworks and have all those burning effigies, because what we're basically doing on, on Guy Fawkes is celebrating burning a Catholic to death, which is essentially what it is. Uh, which is probably not the best way to, uh, to do things. Anyway, remembering the right things is important. Sometimes we forget. What would be the worst thing if you forgot it? What would be like if you were to forget one thing and you would like, oh no, this is going to mess up my life if I forget that one thing? What would it be, Stefan? Wedding, Wedding anniversary. <laughs> of course, you never do, I'm sure. <laughs> the wedding anniversary would definitely be a challenge, Akin. Okay, the birthday. There's a pattern developing here, all right? The password the passwords. All right, password to the work computer. Passwords, what a problem. We're, we are really restricted today by passwords, right? It's a real pain if you forget them or lose them. Okay, what else must we remember? What's really vital? It would mess up your life otherwise, yeah? To get up in the morning. <laughs> Just to basically get up. That would be a problem, Barry. Getting dressed before going out. Sorry? Getting dressed before going out. That would be advisable. Yes, I don't know what they normally do in Chorley Wood, Barry, but uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Travel card to get to work. Yeah. Feed the children. Feed the children. You mean they won't feed themselves, Bill? No, they won't. Okay. Well, feed the kids. Yeah. Hack in. Okay, going out to a flight without your ticket or without the particular thing on your app or the app on your phone, which you forgot your phone maybe, or, or your passport. Yes. I remember I went on holiday with a friend of mine when I was a student. We got to the docks to get on the boat and my friend had forgotten his passport. Uh, he was not my best friend anymore. <laughs> Messed up our holiday. You know, there's certain things you've got to remember. You've got to remember them or they mess up your life. Uh, your, your, hopefully you remembered your house keys before coming out, even today. Uh, if not, then we'll just leave the building open. You can, you can live here for a few days if you want. Or maybe your tax return deadline. Some things are, have more consequences than others, don't they, if we forget. So the question we're going to be asking ourselves today is, what does God remember, and what are we to be remembered for? What does God remember, and what are we to be remembered for, hoping to be remembered for. So Sam's going to come up and read for us right now our main scripture, or at least our introductory scripture, from Luke chapter 1. Would you like to come up, please, Samuel? Good morning, church. Good morning. Today I'm going to read Luke 1, 
about 69 to 75. He has raised up a wall of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The earth is born to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Terrific reading. Thank you very much. Remembered his holy covenant. God's remembered his covenant. He's come to be a savior. This is from Zechariah's um, Zechariah's song when he's filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies about his son John the Baptist. God has remembered his people, his holy covenant. God is a remembering God. But why should he be? I mean, let's think for us about it for a minute. I've been reading the prophets recently, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and my goodness, have you read those prophets recently? I mean, God is really seriously down on his people. And he's got good reasons. They have been doing all kinds of abominable things. But yet God still remembers. So let's think for a minute. If you're thinking, on a, in a sense, in a logical way, perhaps not in a spiritual way influenced by the heart of God, but if you think about the fact that God has made all this and how much of a mess we've made of all this, why should God perhaps forget us? What might be reasons why God should forget and say, done with you, I'll start again, or I'll just let you rot. I, don't, I mean, you've made a mess. So why would God, for, why might God forget? What should, why should God forget us, if you, in a sense, yeah, if you know what I mean? What do you think? Why should God forget? We forget, we forget him. Why should he remember us if we forget him? Doesn't make any sense. And all the wars and killings. All the wars and killings. He doesn't want that. He didn't cause that. Our responsibility. Why should he remember people like us in that way? I'm sorry? He promised he wouldn't. Okay, yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. That's a good point. We've not been good stewards of his creation. We have caused so much damage. Yeah. <laughs> we never seem to learn our lessons, right? Where if something happens, it's bad, and then we don't, don't learn from it. We repeat it again, generation after generation, millennia after millennia. We grieved him. We grieved him. Okay. God feels uh, that sense of grief over our behavior, given what he's given us. I mean, look at what he's given us. And then what we've done uh, with it. We offend him. We forget him. But with God, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? It's talking about God. Can the, a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. This is God's promise to us. God, I, would, I was going to say God cannot forget. I would put it more that God chooses not to forget. And because of his heart for us, although technically he could forget, on a relational level, he cannot forget. So let's ask ourselves a different question. Why does God remember us? Why does God remember us? What is going on that means he does remember, even though we may be deserving of him forgetting us? So why does he 
remember us. He created us. Okay, yeah. He's a compassionate God. Compassionate God. Yeah. He wants our worship. He deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. A God of second chances. Don't we see that again and again through Scripture? Again and again? New Testament and Old? He sent his son to die for our sins. Therefore, he remembers. Yeah. Okay. Any other reasons? Because of his love and compassion towards us. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? He wants us to join him. That speaks to the sense of he has a vision for us. Mm. He wants us to join him. He created us in the first place. He created us in the first place. We are his. Yes. Baby? He always wants to have a relationship with us. He does. That's never, never dimmed. Because there's always one or two people Okay, but even though many may forget, there are always at least a few who don't. I think that's true. Yeah, that is true, isn't it? It's interesting. God remembers. He has hope. He has hope. Okay. Uh, you know, faith, hope, and love are repeated uh, themes through Scripture because God is a God of hope. So because he's like that, he won't forget. He will remember. There's hope. That sense of vision, again, I think, is, is important. Yeah. Anything else? His love is unconditional. It doesn't depend on what we do or don't do. And that speaks to the divine nature of his love. It's not a human level love. Right? You, that's one of the reasons he's able to remember us at all times, because he has a different quality of love than we have in our human state. Yeah. Right. He promised, he made covenants, and he holds to them. Yeah, he has integrity. He wouldn't be God if he didn't always love. And if you love, you remember. Right? I mean, you can't love someone without remembering them. Right? Kind of obvious, right? But he, because he's so much love, he does remember. Yeah. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's, he made a promise. Right? Sorry, again, sorry? We resemble him. Ah. So we resemble him. We're made in his image. Again, that makes it more easy to remember somebody in that way. Yeah. You know, I know we've got some younger people here, some of the teens and preteens. I mean, your parents ever forget you? Do they? I wonder if there are any stories of such things. Uh, I don't know about you parents that are here, but we have um, lost our children. Uh, uh, not adult children, but like when they were really small, we did lose Fred in, was it Fred? In a supermarket? Was it Lydia? I think it was the one that we kept losing. We kept losing Lydia. <laughs> yeah. We lost her in more than one occasion. In a supermarket for sure. Uh, in, um, in, in a toilet. She just disappeared. And at a bonfire party. A bonfire party, that's right. I think it was in Ryslip. And it was dark, right, and raining, and she just vanished, you know. But you, you may lose them, but you don't forget them. <laughs> that's, that's a different thing, yeah. My son got lost in the supermarket. Supermarket. But he went to the customer services and said, my parents have got lost. <laughs> <laughs> my parents have got lost, okay. 
Come and collect you. That's a that's a that's a strong character there in your side, yeah. uh, David. He's invested so much. Right. He has. Think about this world and the creation. Yeah. We are the reason for the with a reason for the death of his son, so you wouldn't forget the people that caused that. Yeah, I know somebody. Um, I, I won't tell you that story, actually, it's a bit distracting, but um, that's a bit too personal about the person. But nonetheless, you know, when, when tragedies happen and somebody has caused it, you don't forget that person. God promised to remember us, and he is a God of love, so he loves even the people that Jesus died for, which is us. And he has a vision for us. Luke 12. Are not five pennies sold for two sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Now, I like sparrows. Uh, the hedge outside my sort of office window at home um, is a place where sparrows love to congregate. And I have some bird feeders there. And I think the maximum number of sparrows, either on the bird feeder or on the hedge or on the bits and pieces nearby, maybe as many as 20, I would think, at any one time, 20 sparrows. But I have no idea if they're the same sparrows that keep coming back all the time. I, I have no way of distinguishing between them. I suppose perhaps some expert could. But they're just sparrows, and there's a lot of them, and I like them, but that's about as far as it goes. And this is God, God knows about every single sparrow. So, of course he doesn't forget us. We're of more value than many sparrows. And I think this is very important for us to, to absorb, that we are valuable to God. Perhaps your boss doesn't think you're very valuable. Perhaps they don't treat you well. Perhaps even in your own family, you're looked down on for one reason or another, maybe even because you're a Christian. Maybe you're not valued. Maybe even in, maybe amongst your friends, you don't feel like people value you. But that's all from the world. God values you more than you can possibly imagine. And there are many other passages we could look at here, but we will just restrict ourselves to the, this part of Romans 8 where we're told that we are conquerors, more than conquerors, because of what Jesus has done for us. I am convinced, says Paul, that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit, Nothing in this world can separate you from God. If we choose to walk away, that's our decision. God will still love us. But if we hold on to our God, not only does he continue to love us, but we continue to enjoy his love and our relationship with him. Some of us in this room, and I would you know, think probably many of us, we do struggle sometimes with guilt in the sense that we're not good enough for God. And I have news, which you may already know, which is that every single one of us is not good enough for God. It doesn't matter, in a sense, how we feel about ourselves. None of us are really good enough. But God accepts us because of Jesus. 
And he says, yeah, I know you're not good enough, but that's not the point. Because I remember who you are. I remember I made you. I remember I promised to love you. I remember that my son died for you. And thereby, I accept you. And that is how this works. And when we are convinced that God does not forget and that he remembers, then it leads us to the healthy kind of motivation to do things for God that will be remembered. Not doing them for the sake of them being remembered, but doing them and leaving a legacy of good deeds done for Christ that point to him. And briefly, we won't study the whole passage, but the example of of the woman here in Mark 14 stands out to me. So he's in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. He's there at a table, and a woman comes in. She's got an alabaster jar, very costly ointment, uh, is nard. She breaks open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. Uh, Some were there who said to one another, in anger, notice, notice it's anger, why was this ointment wasted in this way? The ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor. They scolded her. They told her off. You shouldn't be doing this. They were angry. Jesus said, let her alone. Why, why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you. And you can show them kindness and whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. You'll not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. In remembrance of her. So why do you think she is singled out by Jesus to record that she would be remembered? Why doesn't he say, what Peter did would be something remembered, or Paul, or not Paul, or James, or John. Why doesn't he say the centurion, or why doesn't he say the woman who was bleeding? Why doesn't he say, I don't know, but why, why does he pick her out? Why, why do you think he picks her out as somebody that this story would be told in remembrance of her? What stands out to you here? Any ideas? Use your imagination a bit when it doesn't say exactly, so you have to think about it a bit. Me? Because of her good deeds. This is a modern painting of that incident I rather like. I think it's because she really understood that it was where divinity met humanity in Jesus. Divinity and humanity met. She saw that. that Yeah. Her background of sin. Her background of sin? She gave everything. All right. She wasn't penny pinching. She remembered Jesus. She remembered him. Okay, yeah. Any other thoughts? It's not immediately clear from the passage. We do have to think about it a bit. Um, it's interesting that it's not she as, it's not her name. True, not her name. It's more she as a private person, and okay. character. Yes, it's the attitude. The heart, the attitude, the faith, you could say, that's being remembered because we don't know her name. Yeah? She did something for Jesus. Because usually Jesus did something for everybody else. Right. She did something for him. Yes. Most of the time it's Jesus doing something for others. Here it's her doing it for him, which is a relatively rare occurrence in the Gospels. Very good point. Yeah. Um, so I 
guess, her one opportunity. It's her one chance. Okay. She took it. Yeah. Got Everything. Everything she had. It was costly. Wholehearted. Yeah. Quite something, isn't it? We're not studying the passage today. It's more thinking about where does that come from? It comes from a heart, I think, of, of love for Jesus, doesn't it? It comes of knowing that she's secure in his presence. Even though the other people there are scolding her and telling her off, we, we would think they were shouting at her. And indeed, Jesus' own disciples don't get it because later on in the passage of Mark 14, Judas is the one who says, this isn't right, this shouldn't be happening. So even one of Jesus' own inner circle are against her. There's something about her heart, her faith, her attitude that is so admirable and we see in her a pure motivation to serve Jesus. What does she get back? What does she get back? I mean, she can't have done this to be remembered because we still don't, we don't know her name. I mean, it wasn't a very good tactic. Uh, as far as we know, so she's anonymous. But she does this and she, at great cost, she's now poorer than she was. She's now more, um, she's more a target potentially for the opponents of Jesus. Um, she is maybe likely to get shouted at some more by all these people. I mean, it's not a, a smart move to make, but it's the right heart, isn't it? She acts generously, she acts courageously, and she acts beautifully for Jesus. Sometimes things happen in our lives that change the way we see things. And something had happened between Jesus and this woman that made her see things differently. And so many times in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, we see people whose understanding of what life was about and what, who God was was turned around, and that created the impact of the Gospel. And even today, as people become Christians today, it's because they see a different side of things. Many of us could get up here and tell the story of how God did something that changed the way we saw ourselves and the world and God and opened us up to him. And then maybe that motivated us to go on and do things that might be remembered not for the sake of it, and small things, simple things. I mean, what she did was costly, but it wasn't complicated. And in serving Jesus, most of serving Jesus in the way that we live our lives, it may be costly, it may not be, but it's usually not complicated. Loving somebody who no one else will love, forgiving an enemy, serving people, taking people uh, a friendship to them, or, or material things that they can be blessed with that they need at a certain time, spending time with people that need it. These things are small on one level, they cost something, but God uses them in a magnificent way. Maybe I would suggest that as we come to, to the point where we're going to take communion in a moment, we might think about reflecting, maybe today and, and this week, on the things that God has done for you and how you might respond to that out of gratitude, like the woman in the story, knowing that he doesn't forget you, that he does remember you, and then that we do things that are to be remembered for him. In 1986, I was driving home. It was a summer evening. I think it was July. And we were living in West Hampstead at the time. And I was driving from a late night meeting or a meeting, or, or a meeting up with somebody about 10 o'clock at night up the Edgware Road near the tube station at Edgware, if you know it, Edgware Road down there. I was driving a car like this. Anybody remember the old Maxis? There, just a slab of metal weighed, weighed so much and... Uh, Anyway, another story. And in my car was that color, although it didn't look as nice as that. I was driving that car up the Edgware Road, and I noticed 
further up, there was a central reservation. It was just one, one uh, way each way, but there was a central reservation somewhere up there. And I saw a couple of lads cross the road and stand on that central reservation, looking at the traffic coming in the opposite direction. I was going north. They were looking north at the traffic coming south, waiting for a break in the traffic so they could cross the road. I go closer and closer, no problem. And then, because the traffic coming south that they wanted to get across was continuous, they obviously got bored and decided they weren't going to go across to the other side, so they turned to cross back. But the way they turned, because they were looking in the opposite direction from, that I was coming from, they were looking north. They turned that way, and they didn't turn this way to see me coming. And they turned to cross the road like this as I drew level with that central reservation where they were. I saw them beginning to turn. And I slammed on my brakes because I could see what was about to happen, but it was a fraction of a second. You know. The two lads, they're about 17. They turned into the, into the road. As, of course, they got further around, they saw me and heard the brakes. And the one lad was slightly in front of the other, and he jumped from where he was to the pavement. And he made it. His friend behind him was a bit slower and further behind. He also jumped. And my car was still moving at that point. He disappeared below my view, below the bonnet. And I heard a thump, a really loud thud. I knew I'd hit him. I could feel it. The car came to a stop. I put on the hazard lights. I thought, I've just killed somebody. I jumped out of the car, ran around to the front, and there was his mate on the pavement, just getting up, and there was the young lad I'd hit lying in the gutter. And I went ran over to him, and he started to moan. I thought, well, at least he's not dead. But he was moaning, he was in a lot of pain. He'd broken his ankle, he'd broken his thumb, and he had a massive hole in his forehead. Don't know how that exactly happened, but it was like a hole that seemed to go all the way into his head. It was a horrible sight, blood, and you know. Uh, we got him out of the gutter and onto the pavement, and his ankle was broken because that's where my car had hit him. He'd caught his foot on the sort of the corner of the bumper there, and it spun him round, and he landed whack into the, the gutter. There was another group of young people there because it was the summer and they were off school. It was obviously they were local friends hanging out in the evening. And they all gathered around him and somebody ran off to call an ambulance from a, a, a payphone. <clears throat> of course, in those days, no mobiles. So I ran to the payphone, dialed 999 for the ambulance. And uh, I just didn't know what to do. I was shaking. You know what I mean? I was like, I'd never had anything like this happen to me. And uh, it was okay, but obviously in pain. And then somebody would obviously run off to get his mother, who lived nearby. His mother came out. And who did this to my son? It was, it was him. You know. So she came over to me and started yelling at me. And you didn't kill my son. I'm going to kill you. And, and then his mate came over and said, no, 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 no. It's not the fault of the driver. It's your son. He just stepped out in front of him. It's his fault. So she goes over to her son, who's writhing around on the ground in agony with his broken ankle, his broken thumb and a hole in his head. Going, you stupid boy, what do you think you were doing? <laughs> She was in shock, of course, right? Uh, like all of us. Anyway, the ambulance came. They took him off, and, and he was okay. Um, I got a hefty bill for my insurance because uh, pedestrians are always protected. So even though it wasn't my fault, 
um, he got. But anyway, the insurance paid out. And the police did an investigation because, you know, an injury like that, but they cleared me. So it took a while, but that's okay. that got done okay. And I felt really bad for the chap, you know, obviously. It was, it was his fault. I was under the speed limit. It was all, you know, I did all the right things, but nonetheless. But that has changed me. That incident, I've never, since that time, I drive differently around pedestrians. It's affected the way I drive ever since. I've never hit another pedestrian so far. I have hit some other cars, <laughs> and occasionally a bollard or a something or other. I have hit some other things, but I've never hit a pedestrian because I see pedestrians differently now. I notice them. I'm, a, I'm aware of them. I don't want to do that again. And I walk slightly differently, too, around cars. You know, I, and I'm telling you that story, and I can tell it to you like it was yesterday. It was 1986, but I remember exactly how I felt, and you know why. It changed my behavior. And I think there's a parallel there for us as Christians. When we really get what Jesus did for us, that we deserve to be forgotten, but we are remembered. That we deserve to be blotted out, yet we are welcomed. That we deserve to be condemned, but we are redeemed. When we remember the cross, that's why we take bread and wine. When we remember the love of God, it changes the way we live. How are you and I going to be good Christians this week? To, to use a phrase, how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to live up to our calling? It's not out of guilt. It's not because somebody told us certain things we must do. It's because we walk out of here remembering Jesus. And as we remember him, it will lead us to do small acts of service for others that will then be remembered on Christ's behalf. It will bring him the kind of glory that he deserves. As he says in this passage in Luke 22, we are blessed because Jesus' body was given for us and we take bread and wine in remembrance of him. And we drink the wine of the cup for the same reason, in remembrance of Jesus and what he has done for us. God won't forget. Let's remember what he's done so that we can be inspired to live for him. Nee's going to come up and pray for us right now, and then we will take communion to come.